Hello and welcome back to The Psychology of Your 20s, the very unprofessional podcast whereby I, your unqualified guide, talk through some of the big changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Welcome back to a new week on the podcast. I hope it's been a fabulous time for all those listening. It's a very special episode. Yes! Because it's part two of my Let's Get Friendly segment and I have none other than the amazing Phoebe with me on the show. I've got the giggles. You've got the giggles already? I've got the giggles. I'm excited. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, it's a pleasure. Honestly, Phoebe was one of the first people I think I told about doing this. Yeah, it was in the middle of exams. And oh. you were like, instead of studying, you were creating the artwork for it. And I was like, yes! Yeah, and, go Gemma! And also you were a huge inspiration behind it as well. No, because we would have all these conversations about... Sadness. Sadness, <laughs> firstly. <laughs> Lots of that. But also just like really cool psychological concepts when we used to study at the... The yeah. building together. But to be fair though, I have zero knowledge about psychology like at all. And yeah. so it'd be me being like, blah, 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 and you're like, and it's because of this. Yeah. And I'd be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> she was like a case study for me. I was doing like, I hate to patient say, one, patient zero. <laughs> I was doing like abnormal psychology and like social psychology at the time. <laughs> and I was like, saying I'm abnormal. Oh, come on. <laughs> Don't crack that with me. Okay. Okay, we okay. need to. Yeah. We're already on the tangents. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd invite Phoebe on because she's been such a huge motivator and a real gem of the past year. Um, do you want to tell them how we met? How did we meet? Um, yeah, say it. We <laughs> panicking. <laughs> well, we met. It was through a mutual friend. Yeah, we met through a mutual friend, and I think it. You know, when you meet those sort of people that you have um, a very like you just know that you're on the same page. You yeah. just know that your your lives are heading in similar directions. You just know that you've got a similar worldview, you've got a similar perspective. Perspective. And yeah, it was just really refreshing to meet Gemma um at that time in time of my life. It, yeah, it genuinely was and it started off we'd go on little, little study dates. Yeah, we would. And um, um we used to always talk about how the reason we get along really similar, really well is because we were raised to the same, very, mm. very similar values. Our mums are very similar people. Yeah. I don't know about our dads, but... Um, no, I reckon that. No, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's something we can talk we can about, talk attachment about. style. <laughs> oh. Really get into it. Oh, my God. Juicy, juicy. <laughs> but um, I remember the first time I met... I remember I met you on FaceTime. Mm. And, oh, yes. Yeah. I remember this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, I was like, I was at a pretty, I didn't have many people that I really loved hanging out with. And um, mm. then I met you on your 21st birthday. Oh my God. My 21st birthday. I'm nearly 22 actually. Wow, in like yeah. a, a week and a bit. So we've basically oh, yeah. been, we've known each other for a year now. That's mm. pretty cool. Yeah. Crazy. And I remember meeting you on your birthday and I was in a rotten fucking mood. Mm. I think my ex-boyfriend had done something, pissed me off. Um, but then the next time we met, I was like, it was like I met my like a soulmate, my twin flame. Stop. <laughs> and I was like, we're yes. gonna get along. It was. It was very like, and I remember what every time I'd see you, I'd be like, so we're gonna be friends. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um. Let's let's make this friendship happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like um. I have this thing where I like I'll meet people and I'm just like them. Mm. I like pick them and I'm like. I feel so special. Yeah. It's like The Bachelorette. You've like given me a rose. rose. Yeah. yeah. I give you a bunch of roses if <laughs> yes. I could afford it. <laughs> but I can't. Um, so, yeah, I thought we'd get you on here today just to talk about what's been going on. You have so many valuable lessons um, from your 20s. Yeah. you're 22 now. Nearly. Two years. I know. It's so exciting. <laughs> Two years experience. Um, and we kind of bond over a lot of different things. Highs and lows. Lives. Highs and lows. Mm. And those are the best people, I think, to talk to because then you know, you can actually really share perspectives and we yeah. get pretty deep into it. A lot of TikToks. I do love my TikToks. Yeah. They're um, so, a bit of an issue. <laughs> should, I I crack, should I crack open, yeah. the, crack open the wine? Yes, have a glass okay. with us. If you've got a bottle of wine, it's after 3 p.m. Maybe 2 Treat p.m. yourself. Treat yourself. Ooh. Oh, you can hear it. Can you yeah. hear that? Everyone on the podcast, you listening? ASMR. Welcome back to the podcast. Really That's embarrassing. Amazing. I once had to host a... Um, what was it? It was I think it was Belate for um smaller. Okay. Mm. Belate for my college and um they asked me to host like the day of 
and they're like oh can like in the breaks between like awards can you do something and I was like sure what? I did ASMR in front of my entire college were you drunk partially not <laughs> actually that drunk and so I did ASMR I was like hey guys well welcome to the college Santa Hall I'm not sure did I just dox myself no I don't live there anymore no um, you don't live there you don't live there but you did you did live at Fennel I Hall. did, and I had to ASMR in front of everyone oh, there. Oh, my God. So, Phoebe, um, we have heaps of topics we want to talk about. Um, you were in SR. Oh, cheers, of cheers. course. You were in SR when we first met. Mm. And I was. The fateful year of 2020 to be in SR. Yeah. How was your 2020? <clears throat> um, I would say it was interesting. It was definitely an interesting year. Ended up starting off the year... I think you had Kate on the podcast um, mm. two episodes ago, a few episodes ago, and um, she said, like, started off like, yes, she's an SR, cool, mm. going forward. And then obviously COVID hit and it screwed everyone over just mm. a, a little bit. Um, end up going home. My mum became a celebrity. That was very odd. Yeah. Um, and we, then, can we say her name? No, we probably shouldn't. I mean, you, you can. My last name is so common. You can probably yeah. Google her. But Look up SA Chief Health Minister. No, no, she's not a politician. Chief health officer. Oh, chief health officer. Sorry. Yeah. I'm about Andrew Barr for some And reason. so she just got... Mm. It was a very weird time for me just because it was like... Everyone was like, I'm at home with my family for like six months. And I was mm. like, I'm home and my family are working 24-7. And not just working. Like, they are the, like, the most essential workers in <laughs> South Australia. Yeah. So that was kind of fun. Um, but then second half of the year was... You, you suddenly you come back from like I lived with my grandma when COVID was mm. on and came back and it was like oh my god being plunged back into college mm. and I'd just gone very over college yeah very quickly yeah and you had a lot of it was hard for you because you were you were 21 years old dealing with pastoral concerns of people who mm. were your same age like mm. how did you find that that's a huge you know mental health experience in itself I think it's hard enough being an SR without a COVID year happening um, Mm. because that definitely added, I think, a lot of... Like, in a college situation, we weren't... Like, there was a lot of restrictions. We were placed into positions where, as leaders of the college, we had to enforce rules. Like, we were this sort of, like, police officer role and that was very unusual. And you were not paid for that. Not paid for it. I mean, we, like, didn't pay rent, but it was still... Considering was, the work you were doing yeah, last year. Yeah, I remember mid-SEM sem 2 last year, I just was like, I've lost it. <laughs> I have yeah. lost it completely. But then to be fair, I am extremely dramatic and think that my... Because I care... Look, I'm a nerd. I care about my grades a lot and <laughs> thought that the world was ending because of SR and I didn't have time to study as much as normal. And But it was all fine. It all worked out in the end. Because yeah. everything always does work out in the end. And Phoebe is one of these people that, like, you just... You... <laughs> You're, you almost downgrade your experiences. You should be like, oh, I got hit by a bus, but like I only broke my legs. I still have a finger. It's fine. So let me just clear up. You did have a fucked year. Like, you were dealing with like many, many crises and your own kind of stuff at the same time. Yeah. And that's when we became friends. So. Yeah. I mean, see, positive yeah. stuff came out of it. You were literally like a godsend for me. Like, I hadn't You're really connected. for me. Oh, God, we needed. <laughs> We're actually just flirting. This is just going to basically be a date between Gemma and I. <laughs> but you're just, you're just like sitting at the table opposite and overhearing it all. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like a first date, but like we already know each other. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like asking you all these like, so how was that for you? <laughs> what are your hobbies? What's your favourite colour? Oh, what's yours? Um, it's actually green. Oh, mine's yeah. blue. Oh, oh, are they both primary colours? Is green a primary colour? No, no, green's not. Oh, sorry. Yeah. You're not allowed to come into the club. But, um, yeah, and then how did, would you be happy talking about how the year ended? In what way? In what way? Um, romantically. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I feel like we both, we need to talk about yeah. situationships. Yeah, okay. We've got a few things that we're going to discuss, mm. um, just to do some signposting as you do in an essay yeah. um we're just true academic feature yeah we're, we're gonna signpost what we're gonna be talking about um one of those things is love life and lack thereof or mm. abundance thereof. abundance thereof when it rains it pours oh, um yeah. is it pouring for you right now maybe maybe <laughs> it's a light but, <laughs> um the in the sense that like, I wouldn't say that I've ever really been in a proper relationship. Mm. Yes. 
Just do you have like any insecurity about that? Would you say or not really? Um. Or do you just not think about it? I mean, I was massively judged in like the mm. first few years of college mm. as I think society, like societally, yes, so, so socially, socially, culturally, culturally. Um, there's this sort of pressure to like you're either super promiscuous or you're a prude. Like there's yeah. no there's no clear in between, and like um, my dating history is <laughs> just a lot of like random three month things with mm. people. And very few of them have I had, like, a genuine connection with. But. Yeah. Have you... And... Because I feel like that um, that can be pretty hard. Like, a lot of your friends were mm. in long-term relationships around that time. Mm. And you were kind of there. Did you want more from these people? Or were you happy with the way Some it was? of them, yes. Some of them, no. I don't know. It was... The, the one over... The, the more recent one at summer the end of the year. The summer fling. That... Yeah. yeah. Kind of left you a bit scarred, <laughs> didn't it? Just a little bit. We should talk about that, like, <clears throat> the psychology of, like, yeah. rejection. Well, do you want to tell me about the psychology of a situationship and why they happen? Should we define a situationship Yeah, first? do you want to define it and then I'll explain. Yeah, so a situationship is you are seeing someone, mm. you're dating someone, um, you're not, you don't have a label on it, you've spoken about it, um, there's no label, or you might, not, you might not have spoken about it, there's no label, but you do things that a serious relationship would. Oh, you guys were doing serious, like, <laughs> stuff that was more serious than, <coughs> than me and my... I don't have COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, um, the time when you had to take him to the hospital and, like, call his dad. Yeah, that was fun. Um, yeah, just doing things, like, very, very, like, long-term relationship, not mm. just, like, casual seeing someone. Yeah. It's... It was something more. We... Okay, so thanks to Phoebe for explaining what a situationship is. Okay, I'm going to give, like, a brief psychological explanation behind... You can open the chockey. Okay, um, it's really exciting, guys. It's um, cornflake chocolate. Um, only you would buy that. <laughs> yeah, because cereal's the best. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, a situationship, I think a really good way to kind of apply... Like, a good framework to apply is, like, a social psychology. So, naturally, when you think about our instincts as people, it's to breed, it's to survive, it's to... Wow, chocolate across the room. <laughs> um... It's to, you know, improve the chances of our gene survival, but it's also to feel socially stable, socially secure and supported. But I think in the modern day as well, there is this huge pressure, which comes from a more modern social kind of aspect, to not settle down, to be free, to be young. And it depends on your kind of, uh, yeah, your perspective Mm. on dating. So I think the reason why situationships arise is as primarily a cure for social loneliness and it's the sense that like when you are with this person you feel seen you feel heard you feel supported you feel like if you're in the wild you'd have a buddy Mm. and I have I have this great perspective that I well I don't think it's great but I just think that long-term relationships and partnerships aren't actually natural and I know there is like some definite studies that suggest that some people have like given an office pseudoscience and Mm. pushing a certain perspective a certain ideology but I think that we weren't naturally made to live 80 years with someone you know Mm. when relationships as a concept or partnering or coupling as a concept began you know the life expectancy was like 35 years true and I think so I I I think you can be with somebody up until 80 like I I, we have you're you're much more romantic than I am I think yeah I think I mean my people in my family have been yeah. together for a very, very long time, like since they were eighteen, and I've been like, "Gross, screw you for having beautiful, loving relationships." Anyways, yeah. But I think I do agree in that sense that people come into your like this isn't just for friendships as mm. well as relationships, but people come into your life for like brief spurts. Yeah, they come into your life for like at a time and a place, and they stay for a certain amount of time for a reason. Yeah. And I've just been in the situation where a lot of people have stuck around for three mm. months. But I've learned a lot from them. I've learned a lot from those people. You have. And I think that a lot of the time, the reason why we do get into those short-term things is because we crave um, social intimacy and emotional Mm. and physical intimacy, especially when, well, at any age in Mm. your life, at any age. And I think as well, um, because I think Gemma and I, I think, are very similar on the fact that we've similar sort of life goals and what we want for ourselves and our career and what we want to do. And I know that 
like for me personally, I I know like I want to live in New Zealand. Mm. I want to move to Darwin. Like I've got these these plans, yeah. and I I know deep down every time I see someone that I'm like, well, I want to always prioritize doing what I want to do over yeah being in a long-term committed relationship and I'm sure great somebody's eventually going to come in and fit into that spot yeah I hope so yeah I hope so too um Mm. but like but at like I don't think like you know you need the chances of that actually happening is so low and we hear all these stories like oh I met my like life partner when I was at uni my brother if you're watching if you're listening (laughs) listening (laughs) watching listening listening. (laughs) no but it's true we hear all these stories and like it just doesn't happen for everyone Mm. You know, you're also maybe just not ready. You don't know who you are at the time. I think mm. you, since that situation has ended, you have discovered so much more about yourself. Oh, absolutely. And I know for a fact that this person would not have been able to fit Setting in Setting boundaries. Let's yeah. talk about that in terms of situations. Yeah, but I also want to ask you, what did you learn from that experience at the start of the year? Because you learn a lot. Yeah, I did. I Well, I learned what, it, what it's like to really feel something, like I, mm. I think. Um... But I, I learned that I, I, I like, bound, I think it's the boundary setting thing. Yeah. So, so prior to that situation, if I had another situation, yeah. like, I think it was almost like six months or something. Who was this with? Somebody. Put, your, I, put the num- the start of the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, and I just let that carry on. I just let it just keep, just keep happening. I was, mm. oh, whatever. Like eventually he'll move like on me or eventually yeah. blah 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 um and want to date me um but with this situation ship I was very clear I was like right hit the three-month mark clearly liked him clearly told him was like hey mm. had this big chat he was like oh he said a few random things that <laughs> can we tell them I mean I think we can he's gonna yeah. listen parents are divorced can't commit can't commit, can't commit. Too many options. Can't commit. Parents are divorced. But if, but if, but if he wanted to date, he'd date me. Great. So anyway, I was like, well, no, you, you have no. He wanted to stay friends actually, and I was like, no, you, there's, there's no access here. If mm. that's, like, I've got to set this boundary, Good and I'm you. so glad I have. Yeah, and also here's a big lesson that I've learned. If they want to date you, they'll they date will. you. They will. <laughs> they will date you. Mm-hmm. Like there is no point forcing people, making PowerPoint presentations, like fucking trying to convince them and changing Otherwise, yourself for somebody yeah, as well. That's the biggest loss that you can kind of do. Very proud of you for setting that boundary. I'm proud of myself. And you did the classic, you did the big social media block afterwards as well, didn't I you? I did. I, I'm a huge fan of that. Like, honestly, huge fan. Huge, huge fan of the old block. Mm. I mean, admittedly, I did do that one as a, a mistake. I didn't realise Facebook, like, <laughs> deletes. I love it. Great idea. <laughs> it was an accident. Because I didn't realise that when you delete, like, when you block someone, it unfriends them. And I didn't quite realise that. Yeah. But, um huge fan of it because then they're I have this theory that if somebody's not directly in your life Mm. they actually don't exist oh Phoebe (laughs) tells me this all the time so it's like this I feel like it's a little bit delusional (laughs) she always says to me like whenever I'm going through stuff and you know I call her like Mm. 4 a.m at my ex-boyfriend's <laughs> mum's house. <laughs> like, oh, baby, I did something yeah. stupid. She's always like, just block them. Like, just just stop seeing them because then they don't exist. They genuinely don't. But explain <laughs> that a little bit more because I feel like... <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but, like, it's... I mean, at the end of the day, like, what is... This is going to get so no, deep. Please. It's going to sound, like, superficial deep. Like, mm. um, but nothing... Like, what is real, Yeah. You know? And if that person doesn't have access to my life, my everyday sort of mm. emotions and feelings, like, I mean, there's how many people on the planet? So many of them don't exist to me. Wow, that's actually really a good I way of explaining it. I don't know it. how many of the, like, none of these people are ever going to think of me. I'm never going to think of them. If somebody's yeah. not in my life on the day-to-day or the weekly or the monthly or I'm keeping up to date on social media, they don't exist in my yeah. books. So they're out of your atmosphere i actually love that explanation i'm gonna steal that yeah so many people in the world you don't know exactly and they don't exist to you they don't well i think they haven't come into my life yet Mm. and you can choose to kick people out exactly and that's where we get into this boundary discussion Mm -hmm. because i had to have one of these recently Mm. where i was just like what do you want from me what do you want from me because i'm not going to 
I, I'm just at the stage in my life where I value my, and I know you're mm. the same. We value our independence and our creativity and our own success. Success. I think we're very successful women, Gemma. Yeah, I, I think, think we, we are. are. We're very successful. That's why I love hanging out with you because every time we talk about our goals and our dreams, you never make me feel bad for saying things that I think are preposterous. And that's credits to my mother for that, like, yeah. honestly. <laughs> or like, um, so when you went to, ta- well, getting tangent, oh, but yes. we'll talk about okay. this because a big time, I think the best kinds of friendships, and I've talked about this with people on the show before, are those where every time you see them, you learn more about them. Mm. They're full of surprises. Every relationship like that is beautiful. Like, true. And I remember this one time, you'd just come back from Tennant Creek, um, which is in the middle of... Northern Territories. Yeah. Smack bang. Population yeah. 3,000. And, and I was just amazed because you just had this whole new perspective on your future. Yeah. And on your life. Do you want to... Move from situations. Oh, but I want to talk about boundaries. But okay, put a pin in it. We're going to talk about Tennant Creek and Phoebe's amazing philosophies and learning and lessons from that. But mm. boundaries was I think we both prioritize our own personal growth so much more than we did when we were younger. Oh, absolutely. Or even a few months ago. I think when I was younger, I valued it, but it was in the sense that it was because I thought that's like that was how other people would like me more. Like I mm. wanted to succeed. I remember. If, like from high school mm. I was very I was a huge overachiever but yeah. a huge perfectionist because I had this crippling anxiety of how I was perceived to other people I mm. had to be the best at sport I had to have the best ATAR I had mm. to be oh my god I was like on the debating team and all of that sort of stuff and Classic. I, I know I did I did I did it all I did, it all. I did the did. music I did the horse riding I did the yeah. kayaking Gardening. I did the, literally everything you could think of because I was like that's how people are going to like me and now I only do things because I'm like actually I enjoy these things for myself fuck yes big that's a huge thing you learn in your 20s mm-hmm. and I think like it's that shift from external to internal validation mm-hmm. and you realize that your real self is it shouldn't be a concept of what others have of you absolutely your real self should be who you firstly it should be close to your actual self and that's like a bit of psychology like your real self should be close to your actual self and that's how you prevent Mm. like feeling disordered and disrupted and distressed Mm. um but also it shouldn't be based on what other people want of you and that i like have this amazing spiritual healer friend in uh, (laughs) corumban and her name's helena and she's just beautiful she's remarkable and she always said that to me like when i was going through hard times the only person that gets to create your happiness is yourself. And that's that. a huge shift that you've definitely had in recent oh, years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it probably helped with other things of like no more yeah. contraceptive pill. and. Oh, yeah. We need to talk about <laughs> that so, many so many things. things. Okay. Continue. Yeah, the pill sucks. The pill sucks. <laughs> with both of it, it fucked us both up royally. Like <laughs> I was so sad six months ago and then came yeah. off it. Now I'm beautiful and my skin's beautiful. Because yeah. I went on it for my skincare and... Now my skin's better and now my mental health's yeah. better. Anyway, God, tangent. Let's, you. Let's, let's get back on track. Boundaries. So <laughs> both of us have... We're not setting boundaries in this conversation. But both of us have such very, very vivid ideas of our future. If you're mm. not going to fit in with that, what is the point of keeping you around? Yeah, exactly. And if you're not going to fit into the life that I have now... I'm not going to let you lead me on. Mm. I'm not going to let you... Like, and this isn't just in terms of relationships. This no. is anyone that comes into Setting boundaries with friendships. I think there comes a point where you really have to sit back and be like, does this person... Would my, would my ideal self, would my higher self actually... Would they be in my life? Do, when I picture how my higher mm. self is... Am I still going to be sleeping with that guy who, like, never reciprocates mm. anything? you got to do, like, a cost-benefit analysis, but not for the present, but also for the future. Yeah. Wow, that's hard. Big Excel spreadsheet you'd need for that. <laughs> if only I knew how to use Excel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll teach you one day. <laughs> one day. Surely you can add enough words into the chart. <laughs> no, actually, I had, I had a maths test for, like, my ag course, of, yeah. like, a week or so ago. And this guy made me a, an Excel spreadsheet so I didn't have to do the maths. Oh, this guy yeah anyway moving on um <laughs> i know who this guy is but he's gonna listen it's no off, we're it's off limits. <laughs> well you know who you are um but i had this recently where you know i was feeling led on by this guy i felt like really insecure and i mm. had a chat with him and i was like okay what is this what do you want from me is this casual because that's what i want but it seems like you don't even want that mm. and 
that's not going to work with me right now. I'm not going to be sitting around waiting for you to message me. Absolutely. Not going to work with my life priorities. No, don't have time. That's the big thing as well. I don't have time. Yeah. I'm working part-time, doing full-time uni. I don't have time. Yeah. I have so many amazing friends who I would... Like, tonight, I was meant to go on a date. Cancelled. Because I wanted to record it with a friend. <laughs> like, sorry if you're listening, but that's why. No, my grandma isn't in hospital. <laughs> I'm drinking wine with my really good friend. Yes. And we're talking about you. And we're on a date now. Yeah. I'm dating my friends and I'm dating myself. <laughs> exactly. Booyah, baby. But hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> So situationships, have yeah. we covered it? Yeah, we have covered it, I think. And I think there was there's lots of things to learn from it, mm. but also I'm still learning. I'm still learning. But set I think set boundaries with yourself and with other people, including your friendships. Like once a friendship mm. as well crosses a boundary, don't look back. Absolutely. If you like and how I see it is like if you wouldn't let your friend treat you like this, don't let someone that you're romantically involved treat you like that either. Mm. If you wouldn't let your boss treat you like that, even if you want to make it even more stricter for yourself, like True. maybe you're a bit of a pushover like I am. Yeah. Well, it's hard because I think Gemma and I, we're all, we're both, oh, sorry, I'm eating chocolate. Um, we're both, we always say yes to helping people. That yeah. is our downfall. It's a huge downfall. We've gotten ourselves into a lot of trouble doing that, I think. Mm. And uh, forgiving people when mm-hmm. we shouldn't. There's definitely people you should and. It's good to have conversations with them, and sometimes mm. you know it's but worth being in a we, wise we just, mind. We're doing, we do too much. You do too much for other people. Yeah, and I guess this is kind of also what we want to talk about: doing the emotional labor mm. for good others. Segue. Yeah, thanks. That Part was smooth. Two, emotional labor. Yeah, emotional labor, and something especially for men. Mm-hmm. Especially for men, and we'll talk about that when we get back. So I think a big pitfall a lot of women in their 20s fall into is like doing the emotional labor for men and women, but mainly men in their lives. Mm-hmm. I've had that happen to me so many times. Friends, lovers, siblings. It feels weird to say that after lovers. <laughs> Scratch that. But you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And how do you kind of see it? Because you brought this up with me the Yeah. Other day. Well, I wouldn't say that in my teenage years, so obviously I'm, I moved to Canberra when I was 18, mm. I wouldn't say that I did much emotional labour when I was in high school or anything. Yeah. Um, who, who could? No, exactly. And, like, to preface that, like, I I would, like, obviously I grew up with a, an amazing family, huge privilege to mm. have such, a, like, a stable home mm. life and all of that. Um, and so I never really had to do any of this sort of, like, emotional... Mm labor yeah and and then coming to uni and college um I think I've always been a bit like a bit more of a I'm a cancer that's my star sign what what is a cancer what so emotional what else um I actually don't know I don't really follow astrology that's all you know I I only follow astrology to like tell that to economic guys Freddie is a cancer what my ex is a cancer very gentle yeah, well, because I, I, this, I just see it on TikToks of what the cancer is, yeah. and but I, I, I only keep up to date because I like to go on, like when I go on dates, and I'll be like, oh, you study economics and like cryptocurrency, oh, I like something similar, like astrology. What she did, you know, but Pisces and Cancers are both water signs. Yeah, well, apparently since it's a water sign, is yeah. that means you're yeah, you're wearing your Neptune jumper at the moment, which is really appropriate for your water yeah, sign. Yeah, I do like this jumper, it's and you're really a big cozy. beach baby, I think as well. Except I get sunburnt. Oh, but um, that's okay. Anyway, so but, um, <laughs> emotional labor. Um, and I think when I came to uni, and like I, I grew up, I've got two two brothers, so I have a I have a lot of male friends. Ha, pick me girl. No, I'm like generally no, I just a have girl. a lot of I just have a lot of male friends. I mm. even in high school, some of my closest mates have always been guys, and I think that's I've got a brother who's really close in age to me. So yeah. makes sense. Makes sense. Um. Like, I love footy. Yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, jokes. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> anyways, but I have noticed that as a result, mm. particularly when it's my male friends that are single, um, I they somehow... Have a, when they don't have a girlfriend or boyfriend to yeah, do it for them. I seem to become... Not a mum. I wouldn't say I become a mum. I'm definitely not the mum friend. I become sort of this this person that is... Ooh. Always going to be there to give advice and support. You're a therapist and, or a big and, sister. 
Yeah, like a bit. Well, I am. I am the elder sister. Make, that makes probably and more I sense. And I become this sort of like person for all my guy friends. Not just guy, well, even even female friends, to be yeah. honest. But just like, and I'm just giving so much. And yeah. that was, I think, when we when we bonded, like around last year or whatever. Yeah. It was definitely over that sort of topic. I was like, I'm yeah. doing too much. You were doing. You still do too much. And I find this as well, like. This is kind of inappropriate, and if an employer ever listens to this, like, I'm sure they're probably mm. going to fire me, but I don't know. Live a little. Um, like, I used to always say I felt like a psychologist and, like, a prostitute in one. Like, I would – it was especially with guys that I was, like, sleeping with, mm. where I couldn't quite figure out what they wanted from me. And I remember, like, I would go over to their rooms, and I would just spend, like, the whole night just, mm-hmm. like – Talking them through their childhood trauma, talking them through their parents' divorce. Oh my god! Divorce. Actually, and this falls into the situationship yeah. territory as well. Yeah, it's like okay, so I'm really like this takes energy out of me, and that's a big thing to mm-hmm. realize when you offer someone so much of your advice, so much of your space, mm-hmm. your time, your words. Like, it really takes things away from you, and it leaves you mentally exhausted. It does, and I like I have like incredible friendships with all these people yeah, that's not yeah just like, quickly we're not to say that like please yeah. come to us but also i it's, like it's i love i love caring for my friends like i love languages i'm acts of service is my i love doing acts oh, of service really? for other people no, and i feel like yours is also words of affirmation mm-hmm. is that yeah. it yeah. yeah okay words of affirmation and acts of service like and i i do genuinely enjoy doing like my mm. things for other people but mm. it definitely does get to a point that when you when you're you yourself are struggling and then Mm. i mean i've definitely felt that when i've been struggling i felt incredibly alone Mm. um you wish someone would do what you would do for them mm -hmm. is that kind of Mm -hmm. a feeling because i think i'm the type of person that will hold it very deep inside Mm. and then i just lose it in in my brain (laughs) in my brain and it's usually my family that then has to cop the consequences and they're like but 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 now you're telling us that all these tiny ten little things have built up into this, and I'm yeah. like, yes! Oh my god, oh my I left god. it all inside for too long, and now bleh, and now it's, it's all out in the open. Exactly, and that's because I think I like yeah. You take on a lot. It's like your mum the other day when we were writing that job application for you and one of the criteria was like works well under pressure. And then you like told your mum and your mum was like, hell no. (laughs) Because my mum is the one that, yeah, love you mum. No, and she's, and that's the thing. Like if you don't have a, like I really want to drill into this emotional labour thing because I feel like it is a massive concept where it's like boundaries do really. Because of the patriarchy. Yeah, and. I feel like you end up adopting. I found so many times I end up adopting a maternal role mm-hmm. where I'm like, I'm here to comfort you. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you through everything. And I'll willingly enter that role, not expecting anything back. But I, yeah. but I think, and, and like deep inside, you know that they won't even give it back to you. They won't ever provide that mm-hmm. service to you, even if you wanted it. Because that's exactly. your role. That's your function, yeah. especially as women who have their lives together. Mm-hmm. Not that we have them completely together, like, not at all. Yeah. But but women who are emotionally mature, it's like people seek you out, realise that you have that kind of, your they roots are in the ground. They can get something from you. They and they see your something. weak spot. Mm. They're like, I know that if I just play the sad person in this situation or, like, if I just show them even the tiniest bit of, you know, the things I'm going through, their empathy bone is just going to light up. Mm. And they'll just, their just knee-jerk reaction is just to care for you, to take you under their wing. And it just, it kind of makes me a little bit annoyed sometimes. It makes me very annoyed. I mean, yeah, it makes me very annoyed. (laughs) Like, I'm having this situation with someone at the moment, and I'm just like, what do you want from me right now? Like, why am I here? Mm -hmm. And it just becomes so obvious that Mm. the only reason they talk to me is because they need me to provide them with emotional support. And it's so exhausting and and draining. It's not even just emotional support. It's... It's being asked to do things like driving them somewhere oh. at the click of a hat. And it's and little I, things like that. I'm happy to do it. Uh, there was a time at college that I used to edit people's papers for them. and For free? For free. When for you free. had your own stuff going on? Yeah. You used to give too much, Phoebe. I know. Your heart's too big for I your I could have made sometimes. so much bank that t- year, but no, I, I edited mm. people's papers. Or you could have had free time. Exactly. I actually like editing people's stuff, but I should have, 
you know. But what part do you like more? Do you like that you're doing something for someone? <laughs> exactly. I'm like called out. I know. I'm not trying to call you out, yeah. but it's like worth like really analyzing like what kind it of is because there is an incentive to do it. You wouldn't be doing it if you were being forced against mm. your will. But it's like what kind of incentive is that? But I really do see it, and I see it with so many of my female friends. And I and I think it's an important disclaimer. I think I've gotten very good. All the people who I would any person in my life right now would willingly drop everything and help them out. Because mm. I also know that they would do that back for me. It's not a transactional relationship. Absolutely. And I think I'm I'm in a similar boat where it's been what, almost four years of doing mm. too much. And now I'm yeah. like, well, if you're if, if you're somebody that's receiving this this service, I guess, from me, yeah. that's because I know you'll do it in return. Yeah. And it's like important to recognise that and it kind of lead, like leads back into our boundaries conversation. How much are you gonna are you willing to give to people? And how much do you wanna be a yes person? Because being a yes person gets mm. you in trouble. Like, I don't know, in the last gets six months... It gets you lots of fun things too. You get to do yeah, fun things. It does, but then it's like, if you say yes to everything... Okay, then, disclaimer, it's, it's yes to certain things. I mean, yeah. in terms of career opportunities, say yes to everything. Yeah. Say Travel yes to every single opportunity you get, say yes to it. Yeah. In terms of doing too much for other people, sometimes it's good to say no. Yeah, and I think sometimes we both don't say no when we really want to. Like, how many times have you found that in the past couple of months where you're in a situation, <laughs> you're like, I really don't want to be here. <laughs> and here you are. Yeah. That was me last... <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that. But no. I've had that recently. And I think it links back to... You remember when one of the first things we talked about psychologically was like this high integrated and low integrated Ooh, complexity good segue it was a good segue wasn't it because it's really okay do you want me to explain what it is? yeah Gemma's going to explain it because I sometimes we'll have a conversation and I'll go what's that thing again that you told me about <laughs> yeah. and it's this and it's this because it really applies to Phoebe in a nutshell so <laughs> okay go okay Woo! so there's this concept and it's in psychology and it's low integrative and high integrative complexity and it's these ways of viewing the world and it's often associated with things uh, like your political views as an example but also Mm. just your general perspective way of applying things to the world way of interacting with the world so people with low integrative complexity see things as very black or white good or bad you know evil or angel i don't know very like it's very this or that so for example you know the war in iraq is like a really good example of this People who supported that, you know, they saw people in Iraq as as terrorists, which isn't true, but they saw them as that and they were really able to be like, they're bad guys, we're good guys, therefore we can invade. Whereas people with high integrative complexity, they're often a lot more intelligent. Um, stop it. Yeah, I know, right? It's just leading into compliments. (laughs) Often a lot more... It is a date, I tell you. I know. I want to... Can I sleep over? Um, keep going with the definition um yeah so people with high integrative complexity they're often more creative they think about things in a nuanced way so if you have a dilemma say a friend you're not going to think or someone wrongs you you're not going to be like they did this therefore they're bad because anyone who does this is bad Mm. you're going to be like oh this person did this thing to me okay let me think about it from their perspective let me think about different interpretations let Mm. me pull this apart and analyze it from various perspectives i want to problem solve this like your brain refuses to see things in this just like dichotomy of different categories so high integrative complexity it's people who it's very difficult for them to make decisions around things does that sound familiar i do feel a little bit called out but yes but i gave you so many compliments (laughs) no true 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 and now 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 the hammer hits (laughs) like i love you but i love you but yeah um that was really nice but (laughs) yeah um so it's like they find it really hard to make decisions Mm. they find it very easy to see the good in people which kind of leads back to that like people pleasing yes person type idea because if you see everything from every single perspective if you just tear ideas apart until they are their bones you get to then be selective about how you get to view a situation yeah so in terms of the war in Iraq, because it's a really good example of people who have low integrative and high integrative complexity, you might see this war and you might be like, yeah, but how come this, what contributed to this? Like, is there any possibility that we're actually the bad guys? Because isn't the things that we're upset about the same things that we're doing to them? Like this, that, that. And then you get to really create a more nuanced and complex view. Mm. And I think Phoebe has high integrative complexity. <laughs> that is like, I have to admit, one of the highest compliments. Not that either is better than the other, but like 
Huge compliment. Huge I, compliment. I feel like one is... Well, okay, you need both yeah, in the world. You need, you need both in the world. And I, I, I really appreciate Gemma saying that because it almost confirms what I'm studying. So I study... Mm. I study environmental science but and, and international relations, but we forget about I that. I forgot that you studied yeah, that. Yeah, we, we forget I studied that one. Um, and <laughs> but in, in, in my environment degree, I do a lot of systems dynamics, which is that mm. idea you can create these systems diagrams where you can connect... So, for example, I did I did a project recently on climate change and health. Um, I read this paper. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and about how climate change impacts health. And, like, yeah. for some people, like, oh, well, I, I guess so. I guess, I guess a warming climate is going to why, why? affect give, health. Why? Give us some of the reasons. Okay. Well, there's three, the three categories. Yeah. There's, like, a direct reason. There's a flood from climate change. You die. Boom, oh, that got really serious really <laughs> quickly. The second level is like, um, like through um, diseases, like um, okay. vector-borne diseases. There's going to be an increase in, of malaria in Australia due to rising temperatures. So why? That's, why? Because oh, because the, the climate's changing. With so the rising, bugs, the mosquitoes the, like yeah, it the mosquitoes. Yeah, yeah, they the like mos- it hot. They like it hot, and the mosquitoes are going to be coming right to Australia, carrying that malaria. And the the third one is like mental health. So you'd go, okay. oh, how's how's like mental health or socioeconomic as well? You could say there's going to be higher rates of domestic violence as a result of climate change. Why? Because rising temperatures can cause a natural disaster and or like a natural drought. Disa- a drought, and that causes mental stress, and that causes partners to lash out onto each yeah. other and doesn't then, i don't think it causes it triggers it no yeah it yeah. triggers it and so you can create these system diagrams where you can connect the political to the social yeah. to the economic and you can go into these subcategories of each and you can figure out which variables affecting what and i don't know yeah. i find that fascinating yeah i find it really and cool. this is high integrative <laughs> complexity because i so when me and phoebe first became friends we used to do lots of study together and i remember you would your approach to you would an essay would take you so much longer than anyone else no but it wouldn't take me longer i would ponder for like weeks over it i'd be yeah. like but what about this perspective and then i would write like maybe maybe six different essay like plans like just plans I wouldn't even start writing then it would be the two days before the essay is due and <laughs> I would we would see each other and then I, yeah and then I would smash out like I I think this is just such a skill I would no, smash you out you should see her do this I will it's smash insane. out an essay in like two days and just like and then I retype it multiple times and then I realise that I hate it so I delete it all and then I retype <laughs> it all again and then boom, done. Perfectionist syndrome. <laughs> but it's because, oh my God, like you should just hear her. She was doing this one on fishing once. <laughs> I've never, ever heard someone get so like, I you just you just got yourself into a rabbit hole. You were like, but then what about this? What about that? Like just for borrowed. context, the essay was about how does um what was it again? It was Sri Lanka, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the Polk Strait and how um a decrease in fish, uh, like overfishing in the Polk Strait, is causing violence, but it's creating like a like a a cycle of violence. Yeah. Anyway, between Sri Lanka and if if anyone wants that essay, they can reach out to me and yeah. I will send it to them. I'll drop her Insta in the in the <laughs> in the description and you can hit her up. Yeah. Because it was really good. I read it. It was really good. And then remember, I went home and I was getting YouTube video recommendations. <laughs> And I was like, God, the algorithm is nose. <laughs> it does. We were in close proximity. But yeah, so what are your thoughts on high integrative complexity? And Well, I think you have it. <laughs> <laughs> are there, okay, I want to know, are there downfalls to it? Yeah, absolutely. Like, so normally people would be like, oh, low, especially we, we exist in a pretty, you and I, like in a pretty elitist society. Oh, Canberra is highly elitist. Absolutely. And I come from such a privileged yeah, background. Me too. Such a privileged background. Um, and everyone here is, I would say, the uh, I know a few people who I would, it's like funny because when you start studying psychology, you begin like doing these things where you just like categorize everyone into these. It's pretty dangerous because <laughs> you probably shouldn't do that. Mm. But you know, you see these like patterns of behavior and like traits that people have and you're like low integrative, high integrative, like you apply these different concepts Mm. to them. So I do definitely recognize people in my life who are low integrative and and Phoebe did say like low integrative doesn't necessarily mean negative. Oh, absolutely not. It just means low levels of abstraction. So Mm. high levels of abstraction. Firstly, if you have high integrative complexity, you're more likely to have a higher IQ. Um, so congrats on that one. Thanks. Well sometimes, over a hundred. Sometimes it doesn't show through. 
I'm sure I can think of many, many examples. Exactly. <laughs> and I, and that's when I'm like, oh, she's in a low integrated complexity <laughs> moment. But a downside is also you're more likely to have greater levels of anxiety. Oh, yeah. Bingo. Yeah, bingo. Smack bang bingo. And think about it because it's like if you get a problem, it would be so easy. I wish I could be the person who's like, I know the answer to this because I have these very clear categories of what's mm-hmm. right and what's wrong and what's this and what's that in my mind. But if you do have that high integrated, those those categories are not clear, which leads Mm-mm. to significant overthinking mm-hmm. um, and can lead to like pretty bad anxiety. Yeah. I think it's harder Connecting to make Connecting the dots on problems that don't need to be connected. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm sure you find this heaps with like enviro, like you do a lot about like climate change. Yes. Yeah. It would be pretty scary being someone with high integrative and approaching issues that are just by nature incredibly complex wicked problems wicked, wicked problems. problems and you talk about them it, do you ever get like really bad climate anxiety i it's hard because i personally like i i do but i don't mm. i because like with climate change i'm gonna be lucky like i'm i'm very very privileged yeah and that's just like the luck of the draw of where I was born yeah um and the family that I was born into and all of that it's gonna be the the country it's gonna yeah and the country but it's gonna be the people who are low socioeconomic um low yeah low socioeconomic uh rural rural people of color um indigenous indigenous people it it's gonna be those people that are gonna be hit the hardest and so I feel climate anxiety for other people, maybe not for myself so much. Mm. Um, Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Like, didn't just recently there was like a UN UN report that Australia is like the lowest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, okay, here's the thing. Yes, we have significant impacts of climate change. Like, I lived through the bushfires a couple of years ago. Like, mm. we were in. That was only like two years, two years ago. ago. Yeah, we were like stuck in Batemans Bay, like literally on on the doorstep of mm. one of the biggest bushfires in Australia. The, the consequences of climate change in this country are very apparent exactly and i think one of the reasons why i'm interested in climate mm. change is because it like so i'm like interested in the social side of it maybe mm. the socioeconomic side of it and because it, it it's not just an environmental issue yeah. it's like i remember in my first year of uni we did this diagram like you can construct so many different sort of diagrams of it but it had it had social in the little like a circle in the middle Mm. then it had economic and the outside then it had environment Mm. and it's like if you affect the environment you affect everything you affect every single aspect of your life you is you affect the political you you impact the the social and the economic yeah like if you like i in obviously it depends on the problem but like if you affect the social it kind of can only like sometimes will only affect the social yeah if you affect the economic what's an example of that uh, oh, I don't know. You put me on the spot, but oh, sorry. But yeah, it's it's. I don't know. I think that's why I'm interested in because it it has such a consequence on mm. all these other facets of people's yeah. lives. Yeah, and I think the big thing is like in Australia, you know, we're con- we're contributing so much, but it's going to be creating problems for those our government, quite frankly, doesn't care about. Like, and no, <laughs> what do you mean? Don't say that. <laughs> I work for the APS. Oh, sorry. Cut this bit out. (laughs) Oh, no, but (laughs) it's not Phoebe saying it, it's me. Yeah. Like, there are just certain populations that our government neglects. It's really, like, Indigenous groups being a primarily one, like, Mm. a primary one. Absolutely. But it's not just them. It's like, you know, climate change is like the, the, you know, the best collective action problem there is. Because And the worst collective action problem to try and solve. The the best in terms of, like, it's the perfect example Mm. of exactly the issue whereby like we contribute to the problem because we want the benefits of coal and shit like that and we, then we could do a whole nother episode on this because i'm I have sorry so we've many, really yeah, gone on a tangent we, we can come back to this another day we'll do yeah. we'll do a climate anxiety and what we could do a group one with like me and aaron and, and Tanea. Tanea, some some of the enviro girls we'll get i feel like on. i need you guys to talk about it more because i just have very yeah, like we're gonna come back to political this. ideas we're come back. and i think we need to talk about your time in these some of these communities in tenant creek so, um, Tennant Creek, we kind of brought it up before, but I think it's been a huge, it was a huge kind of turning point for you. Yeah, and absolutely. very rarely do you have those where you're like, oh, this is a moment that I need to take a hold of, recognize, mm. and this will be impacting me for years to come. So how did you end up in Tennant Creek? Yeah. So I'm, I'm not going to go too much into detail well, on, work and... because of my work. Um, 
but I'm really fortunate to have a job in the public service that allowed me to travel, mm-hmm. um, which it, it travel to on a topic that I'm interested in, which and is? Uh, like social social issues, yeah, yeah. environmental, uh, which is social social environment. <laughs> what yes. is it? I remember. Um, <laughs> so I was really fortunate. I got to do a work trip pretty early on in my job. Um, to Tennant Creek. Mm. Yeah. And middle I, of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. I came back with a lot of thoughts to my friends. Um, mm. We had a great chat about it when you came Yeah, back. yeah. So for context, Tennant Creek, smack bang in the middle of Northern Territory. I had never been there. I'm from Adelaide originally. Mm. Lived in Canberra. Right. Adelaide. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and what did you find when you went there? Because you were going there for work, but you came back with like, it was insane. Yeah, and I think I think eyes. anyone I think anyone that would travel to remote locations in Australia, mm. you know, regional Victoria, regional New South Wales. So for context, I'm I'm interested in rural regional issues. Like yeah. that's I'm not a city girl. No. All my friends are telling me they're like wanting to move to Sydney or Melbourne. I can't think of anything worse. Why did you just call me out? <laughs> I don't I can't think of anything worse. I wanna my dream is to move to a farm in New Zealand. Um, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, with, with like your sheep. with a hot farmer. Oh. Phoebe wants a farmer. Simon wants a farmer wants a wife. Um <laughs> Okay. And um yeah, and so Tennant Creek is one of the um, most – has really high rates of violence, mm. um, has really high rates of sexual assault, yeah, yeah including towards children. Mm. Um, it also has um, a really sad history. It's in the Northern Territory um, – say like I would like to say like you know my respect to the traditional owners that yeah. I got to they welcome me onto their land the mm. Warramungu people and but as a result it has got this really sad colonial history mm. um with the stolen generation and like I'm not indigenous I don't want to speak too much on that um but it was so I've traveled to develop like I mean yeah. the term that some people like academics use is developing countries and I've traveled to places like that and I would say that some of the standards of living mm. in rural, like remote Australia, yeah. are worse than in places where we have um, a foreign, like foreign aid budget too. Really? Yeah. It was. Fuck. It was just. It was really. It was quite upsetting. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah <laughs> but you came back and you kind of just had this new vigor. Like what? What did it kind of teach you about what you wanted to do in the future? Yeah, so I think, I mean, growing up, family full of doctors, they've, I mean, family full of doctors that are all, like, public health physicians. Yeah. So they're not, they're not you know, your, your surgeons or anything. Yeah. But um, uh, sort of came back knowing that, like, I mean, my mum always says, my parents, my mum and dad always say this to me, they're like, you're not put on this earth to make money. Mm. And they're like, you're put on this earth to make this earth a better place for other people. And of course they say I know, because it is. Bloody angels. <laughs> and so I really like them saying that because it has made me go, I don't think I'd feel fulfilled if I was doing something that was only serving the purpose of making money. Yeah. And so going to Tennant Creek, um, with all the problems that Tennant Creek has, I'm sure you can Google it, and the Barclay as a whole, because um, th- that place is beautiful, mm. beautiful people, beautiful um, environment there's a lot of hope there is a lot of hope for the future yeah. and I mean I'm such an outsider like I'm such a clear outsider I was basically a tourist yeah um but it's good you can recognize that yeah. instead of suggesting you're an expert no I, I have no clue how to mm. you know do solve these incredibly complex yeah. problems but it has made me go like I will not be happy in my life if I don't work on something that I feel like I'm doing good for the world and that sounds so like savior of me but no but I don't know I think your intentions are incredibly pure and it's just that you found this thing that you've been like well this is this is it like this is something that is the fact that you know these areas aren't prioritized the fact that no one seems to care because Australia is such like I'm just gonna say very bluntly Australia is incredibly racist yeah it It is. is the colonial history of Australia and um, 
how we treat anyone that's not white is yeah. disgusting. Like I'm, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm a white person. Whatever. Like that's who I. That's yeah. who I am. But I have people in my family that are migrants that are not yeah. white, and I have have you know I've I've like it's it's so obvious. It's so like, easy you, to see. It's so easy to see. Like you don't have to be. You don't have to be, that doesn't have to be your lived experience it, to appreciate that it's someone else's. Yeah. Like that's empathy. Yeah. It's basic empathy being like, and that's the thing I don't understand. It's like a lot of people, I've like met people who are like, Australia isn't racist. Like I've never seen it. Mm. It's like, look closer. Mm-hmm. Literally look closer. You're- and like, obviously I have no lived experience of mm. racism, but it was pretty damn obvious to me that yeah. Tennant Creek is living, the people living in Tennant Creek are living a very, very different Australia to the Australia that I grew up in wow and what did that kind of so you've kind of mentioned what what that made you think about for the future but like in five years time do you see yourself because you applied for a job in Tennant Creek you came back yeah yeah I I didn't I removed it yeah oh she was I'm gonna do I'm gonna do an honors next year oh yeah yeah but she but it was yeah sorry not to out you but like you kind of came back and were like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Like any help I can be just by listening, just by knowing the systems, like I'll yeah. do it. Cause I think there's a, there's a, there's a, I have, I think you've got to use like your privilege for good. Like I have, yeah. I went to an amazing school. I have an amazing family. I got to do any extracurricular activity I ever wanted to yeah. do. Got to go to an amazing university. I'm financially supported. I'm financially stable. Like I'm a white woman. Like I should use, like, yeah. this power, like, it, I guess you could call it a power for good. Yeah, it is power. I mean, in terms of the climate change stuff, I find that it's, I will be somebody from, like, a conservative background mm. is more likely to listen to me yeah. than someone else. somebody else that doesn't have the privileges that I have. And that they don't respect. They don't respect that yeah. person, and they're never going to listen to them or change their mind. But I have a higher chance of being able to... Yeah. Yeah. Facilitate a conversation because Facil- they're not going to yeah, exactly. walk in with prejudice. Exactly. So they're and like, oh, you're one of us. Like, yeah. there's in groups and out groups all over Australia, and you just have to look for them. And I think in, as well, there's like a clear lack of communication channels between different community groups around Australia, yeah. whether that be re- regional areas or whatever, mm. and trying to understand how government works or how does um, how does the the power system work? Yeah. How does who's in power in Australia work? So I yeah. think because I come from this background, I understand how these systems yeah. work. We've but, navigated them because we, mm, we didn't have trouble navigating exactly. them. Exactly. So I feel like it's, I almost feel like I should make space by like taking a step back, but creating a space, a communication channel for yeah. people that yeah. can't, I don't know. Like, I don't want this to come off as like, it doesn't, I'm I don't some think it sort does. of like white savior or whatever. No, because you see, you're very aware. Like, you know, you know that where you've come from but i want to like i want to use my skills for good yeah (laughs) it's like the education that i got like i might as well do something that's like doesn't just benefit like white people in australia (laughs) for the future for every future generation but yeah five years time and you're doing honors next year like so many big things yeah honors that should be cool if i can get that sorted (laughs) any words of wisdom before we say goodbye I yeah. asked Kate this question. I think it really does spur conversation. But like, Ooh. biggest lesson you've learnt last year? What What has it been in your in your second year of your twenties? Oh okay, um, I feel like I'm still learning. So yeah. it's you could ask me this question every single week, and it'd probably be a different yeah. answer depending on like what. Isn't that the best part though? It's like every yeah. year, every week, there's a new lesson to kind of be learnt from the situations life throws at you. I think. In your 20s, you have to, you have, like, oh, it's hard. Oh. It's okay. This is, like, a response that is, like, what your 20s is like. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's, like, um, I was going to say, like, in your 20s, I thought you were going to say, like, in your 20s, you say yes. And then we've talked about how you shouldn't say yes. (laughs) Well, because, okay, so I think everything, to sum up, the conclusion. Yeah. The conclusion of this podcast. Concluding remarks. Concluding remarks. Situationships. Terrible. Yeah. Set your boundaries. Set your boundaries with friends because yeah. that also includes protecting yourself from doing emotional labor that is unnecessary. Which we talked about. Emotional mm-hmm. labor is fine if it's reciprocated yeah. and if you know where you stand. And you also should... What else have we spoken about? Um, High integrative, low integrative. We talked about so exactly. much more. But big psychological concepts. You... 
I think the main thing is just like look after yourself. Is that your lesson? Yeah. I mean, I'm terrible at it, but um, look after yourself. Yeah. Know what you want out of life. And if, if you figure out what you want out of life, mm. go get it. Go get it. Amazing yeah. words to finish because, on. Because that's the thing, isn't it? Like I, Because th- I am so lucky to have had such yeah. a supportive family that have told me to just go get whatever I want. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can do it. You deserve it. Like, you, you deserve good well. things in your life. Exactly. Well, amazing, very stirring words from Phoebe. <laughs> Thank you for I'm coming so on. sorry for such a chaotic podcast. No, trust me, when we listen back to it, it's going to sound smooth as liquor. Oh, okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on and for <laughs> devoting your Friday night yeah. and some snacks for us to talk about these things. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed our wisdom. It's a bit of a ramble, but that's the point of these episodes. If you don't like it, you don't have to listen. So mm-hmm. there's my kind words for you. Lovely and, um, to meet you all. Yeah. Phoebe is a great friend and I'm so glad she said yes. So I hope you got something out of it and <laughs> we'll see you next week where we're going to talk about the psychology of social anxiety. I'm keen to tune in for that one. Bye. <laughs>